Today on Bold Steps with Mark Job, we're learning how to be alive in the Spirit. When you are spiritually alive, you will not want to be put in a spiritual coffin because your spirit will say, this is not where I belong. My spirit is alive and well. And when you're alive, you cannot be contained in the coffin of the dead. Welcome to Bold Steps with Pastor Mark Job. Mark is a senior pastor of New Life Community Church and president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're in Ephesians chapter 2 today, Mark, which talks about being spiritually alive, but that's not something we can do on our own. No, it's not. And Wayne, I know some people will be shocked to know there's a lot of dead men walking. <laughs> and the Bible talks about we can be dead spiritually, Mm -hmm. even though we're alive physically. And it talks about a moment in time that has to come where we become alive spiritually. And this is a powerful, powerful insight into what it means to be born again and going from death to life. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 as Mark begins. We all have nightmares. Some have nightmares of being chased. You run and run and run, and all night you're being chased. And about the time they catch up to you, you escape and run, and you're panicking, and you hide and run, and they chase. How many of you had that nightmare before? Some have nightmares of falling off buildings. You're falling, falling, falling. Seems like you're going to hit, and you never do, right? I'm told that if you do forget it, life's over, so don't, don't ever hit. Some people have nightmares about being paralyzed. You're paralyzed. You can't move a bone in your body. You try to scream and you can't scream. Your mouth opens, but it doesn't come out. And you just, you you feel like there's not a bone in your body that that can do anything. Ever had that nightmare? Okay, some of you have all of them. You must have a lot of nightmares. I like, I had that one, that one, that one. And one of the worst nightmares that people mention, though, is the nightmare or the dread of being buried alive. What a terrible feeling it would have to be to be buried alive. Recently, we've all watched with rapt amazement at the miners that were buried in in Chile Um, and just thousands of feet underground and and, and just the, the claustrophobic feeling that they must feel. But the nightmare of thinking that somehow you would be put in a coffin and put six feet under the ground only to wake up and realize that you were buried alive. What a nightmare that is. I'm told that George Washington had such a fear that they would bury him alive that on his deathbed he talked to his servants and he made them vow that they would not bury him until 12 days after he was dead. I mean, he just wanted to make sure, I don't want you to bury me alive, so wait 12 days, and then you can bury me. In fact, there was a scare in the early days because during some of the uh, hundreds of years ago, during some of the Middle Ages and some of the other plagues that hit, uh, some people were actually literally, seriously buried alive, in part because... 
when some of these dreaded plagues hit, the doctors and other family members did not want to get too close for fear that they would get the plague. So they sort of rolled the bodies into coffins, not want to touching them, not wanting to get sick. And there's historical evidence in some of these places that actually people woke up and found themselves buried. I read an article that just uh, in August of this year, there was a young mother in Mexico, Miss Hernandez, that was grieving over a baby that she had had, and the doctors had pronounced the baby dead. And they had put this premature baby in a coffin, and they were about to begin, commence the funeral ceremony to bury this, and as the mother was weeping and crying and so forth, she thought she heard some noise in this little coffin. Now, that's spooky. And she... She kept hearing the noises, so finally she opened the, she opened the little coffin that her, that her daughter was in, and lo and behold, the baby was crying and moving it around. It had been mispronounced and saved her from a burial. But here's the thing. When you are alive and when you are well, you cannot be placed in the coffins of the dead. Because when you're alive, that's not where you belong. When you're alive, that's not where you want to be. When you're alive, you want to burst out and say, I am not dead. I am alive. Spiritually, the same thing is true. When you are alive spiritually, you will not tolerate being in the place of the dead when you are spiritually alive. When you are spiritually alive, you will not want to be put in a spiritual coffin because your spirit will say, I am, this is not where I belong. My spirit is alive and well. And when you're alive, you cannot be contained in the coffin of the dead. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul begins this second chapter of Ephesians with a very interesting statement. He says, Verse 1, as for you, now he's speaking to believers, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Hold on. Dead? Yeah, dead. And he's talking to a bunch of people that are Christians, believers, they know God, and he's saying to them, hey, you were dead. And I'm sure they probably looked at one another and said, dead? I mean, when were we dead? Well, there's a lot of ways of being dead. You see, I believe in the trichotomy of man. That means that you compose what makes up your being is body, soul, and spirit, as found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Your body is the physical part of you when you're born, that little naked baby. Everybody sees it, holds it, slaps it, makes it cry. That's the, the, the physical part of you. But then there's an unseen part of you called the soul. The soul is that part of you that houses your intelligence, your personality, your intellect, your will. And then there's another part of you. There's the body, there's the soul, and then there's the spirit. The spirit is the intangible part of you. It's the part of you that relates to the spirit world 
and more importantly, that relates to God. Because God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we are more aware of the physical world because the physical world is what we see, touch, smell, feel. So we're very aware of the physical world. We're somewhat aware of the soul world because it's the thinking world, the thought world, the personality world. But sometimes we're oblivious to the spiritual world because we can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it. We walk right into the spiritual world and don't always know what's happening in that unseen world around us. But the spiritual world is as real as the physical world. So Paul is speaking to these believers and he's saying, you were dead. Now, were they dead in the body? No. Were they dead in the soul? No, they could think and live. Where they were dead is in the spirit. So Paul looks at these people and said, before, in your formal life, at another time, you were dead. Spiritually, you were dead. Now, when were they dead? Well, in order to understand when they were dead, we have to understand how they died. He tells us this, as for you, you were dead in what? In your transgressions and sin. What put them spiritually to death was their transgressions and sins. Now, we all pretty much know what sin is, but some of us aren't quite sure what transgressions mean. Well, let me define it for you. To transgress talks about our other translations say uh, uh, trespasses, transgressions. They're uh, similar words and synonymous, basically. To, To transgress speaks of a man as a rebel or our lack of desire of going God's way. When, I, when I'm a transgressor, it means that I know what's right, but I don't want to do it. it speaks of my rebellion towards God, God's authority. Sin speaks of our failure to meet God's standard. So one speaks about our desire to do our own thing, and the other speaks about our failure. So what killed our spirit was our desire to do our own thing and our failure to meet God's standard. It makes me ask myself this question, however. When you were born, you had a body, you had a soul, and you had a spirit. Was your spirit alive when you were born? When did your spirit die? That's a good question, right? Let's think about that for a second. It's transgression and sin that kills our spirit. Can a baby sin? A newborn, can they sin? Oh, no. They're not even aware how to sin yet. There's no conscience of right or wrong. They don't have the ability to sin. I believe that every child is born with an innocent spirit within them. That when you are born, you are born body, soul, and spirit. And the spirit that, the spirit part of you is innocent, free, and responsive to God in a child. 
In fact, let me go, let me go a step further. I believe that even when a baby is in the womb of its mother and doctors and other people call it a fetus, I call it a child. I believe that as that baby is developing its body, that it's also developing its soul, but it also has a spirit. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job right here on Bold Steps. You can learn more about Pastor Mark and this ministry by visiting us online at boldstepsradio.org or connect with Mark and the team on your favorite social media page. You'll find us on both Facebook and Instagram. And this comment came in via Facebook recently from Roger. He says, thanks for your inspiration. I enjoy your messages on the radio. Well, thanks for that good word, Roger. We love hearing from our listeners. Stop by and introduce yourself and where and how you're listening and We look forward to hearing from you soon. Right now, let's get back into the second half of today's message, where Mark Job has more to say about being made alive. Let me tell you why I believe this. I believe it because, do you remember the story? I mean, there's several places in Scripture, but one of them that comes to mind is that when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she encountered her cousin. Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John the baptizer. When they encountered, these two pregnant women encountered each other, the Bible says that the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped, was filled with the Spirit. The baby in the womb was filled with the Spirit when encountered the baby Jesus within the mother's womb. So what's it tell me? It tells me that that unborn baby had a spirit. And that that unborn baby was able to be filled with the spirit even within its mother's womb. That's why I'm so pro-life. To me, when an unborn baby is not born, it's not a mass of tissue or just some uh, product of the mother's womb. It's a child with a soul and a body and a spirit. So that baby, when it's born, it's born with the spirit, and that spirit is alive and innocent unto God, and what kills the spirit is that once a child reaches the age where they start sinning, and oh, they will. Oh, no parent has to teach a child to sin. I've never had a parent come to me and say, you know, we need to teach a course on how to sin for children. Because my kids are so good. I mean, they're just so innocent and good. They just don't know how to sin. So could we teach a little course on sinning 101? Never had a parent ask me that. Most parents, I have had parents come to me with four-year-olds and say, Pastor, can you do an exorcism out of my kid? Because he's got some spirit in him. I don't know where he got it from. I have had parents come to me like that, but, but, but here's the thing. Listen, children don't have to be taught to sin. Why not? Here's the thing. When a child is born, they're born with the spirit. Their spirit is clean and, and, and uncontaminated. However, every child is born with a sin nature. Now, some people believe, and some traditions of faith believe that because a child is born with a sin nature, the sin nature has to be cleansed from them at birth. And so some people 
uh, do infant baptism in order to cleanse the sin nature and so forth. But, but I want you to understand something. A sin nature never condemns us before God. It is sin that kills our spirit, not a sin nature. A sin nature means we have the propensity to sin that we're born with the disposition to sin. Where did we get that from? We got it from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were, were created without a sin nature. They were made by God without a sin nature, but they were made in the image of God so that God did not create robots. God did not wind Adam and Eve up and say, you will love me, serve me, and never sin. Yes, we will love you. We will serve you. We will. No. He didn't didn't create them that way. He created them with the power to make choices. And there came a time when they made a choice to sin against God. As soon as they chose to sin against God, the Bible calls it the fall of man. As soon as they sinned, every child that was born after Adam and Eve inherited the sin nature. Cain and Abel inherited the sin nature. Their children inherited the the sin nature. Every generation from people in Africa to Europe to Asia to Australia, everybody that's come from Adam and Eve, which is all generations, we've all inherited the sin nature. That means that the moment that you were born... You were born without sin, but you were born with the propensity to sin, that when you got old enough, you would sin. That's why, by the way, I believe that every child, it's not the sin nature that condemns us, it's sin. That's why I believe that a child, every child that dies before the age of accountability, before they know right and wrong and can sin, I believe every child goes to the presence of God. But it's the sin nature that gives us the propensity to sin. That's why when Jesus came, Adam was created without a sin nature. Every child after Adam had the sin nature. When Jesus came, Jesus had to be born of a virgin and not through the seed of man because the sin nature is passed down through the seed of man. That's why Mary became impregnated without a man because if she had been impregnated by a man, that child born would have the sin nature. So therefore, Mary was, was, was held the impregnation of Jesus, but without the seed of man, so that Jesus, when he was born, he was born without the nature to sin. That's why the Bible refers to him as the second Adam. There was the first Adam with the sin nature, and Jesus was born also without a sin nature. He became the second Adam, the firstborn, the Bible tells us, among many brethren. Are you tracking with me? Just not. I want to make sure I didn't lose anybody. Okay, this is important. I know it's theology, but it's important. Now, we were dead because by the time we reach a certain age, we've all sinned. And what happens when we sin is that we kill the spirit. That part of us that relates to God, that part of it that hears the voice of God. And we sin and sin and sin and sin and sin so our spirit dies. It's dead. The word used for death here means separated. The Bible says, I want you to understand that when you see the word Death in the Bible referring to our spiritual life, it means separated. For example, the Bible says that some of us will have eternal life. Here's what I want you to understand. The Bible teaches that we will all exist forever. 
Because your soul and your spirit are eternal. You will exist forever. I will exist forever. You will exist forever. Your cussing, drunken neighbor will exist forever. Everybody will exist forever. Some will live forever and some will die forever. The Bible declares that you live when you know God. If you're separated from God, that's considered death. To be separated from God is considered death, but we all exist forever. So when the Bible talks about you were dead in your trespasses and sins, your spirit was dead inside of you because it was separated from God. And when something is dead, you can speak to it, you can tap it, you can move it, and there's no response because it's dead. My wife is incredibly fearful of mice. Paranoid, fearful of mice. They were doing construction not too far from our house, and so there was some mice that we found dead on the outside. She wants to make sure it's dead. Touch it, move it. Is it dead? Touch, move, push, doesn't respond. Dead. When your spirit is dead, God speaks, God moves, you don't respond while you're dead. Your spirit's dead. It's not that God isn't speaking, it's not that God isn't working, it's that you're dead, your spirit does not respond to God. There's a whole bunch of people, in fact, the majority of people that you encounter on the streets, the majority of people in Chicago, their spirits are dead. Their bodies are alive, their minds are alive, they're socially alive, but their spirit is dead inside of them. It means that God is speaking, but they don't sense God. God is moving, but they don't hear God because they're walking around as dead men walking, dead spirits. Paul said, you used to be like that. You were dead. And then he goes on to describe what it means to be spiritually dead. He says in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He gives us three characteristics of spiritually dead people. And tomorrow, Mark Job will address the question, what does it mean to be spiritually dead? So let me urge you to listen. I'll also remind you that there's a way for you to dig deeper on your own right now. You can find more Bible teaching and resources available on our website, boldstepsradio.org. We do our best to equip our listeners with faith-building tools and opportunities that really push you towards your growth and your walk with God, especially in turbulent times like this. Now, Mark, a lot of us have been looking around at the world today and thinking, how did we ever get here? It seems that the spiritual health of our society is falling apart, and for many of us, we're not really sure what to do. Yeah, you know, Wayne, we live in some interesting times where there was a large swath of our culture that were nominal believers in Judeo-Christian values, Mm -hmm. and that has quickly shrunk. Yeah, they used to support our beliefs. They used to support or tolerate or embrace Mm -hmm. or affiliate, but now that has shrunk more, and so Christians have a couple options. One, some Christians have become more and more unsure a lack of confidence, mild, kind of shut down. Uh, but there's a place for boldness, generous, gracious boldness. Daniel is a great example of that. 
a young man that is really a slave, but in, in a pagan culture that's trying to really squeeze that Judeo-Christian value out of him, but he stands up boldly and bravely because of his faith, and it turns not only his life around, but it turns the nation around. Yes, and right now we're offering this book that dives into the story of Daniel and offers some relevant guidance on how to build that same kind of bold faith in God. It's a book by Alistair Begg. It's titled Brave by Faith. And sometimes we think the hardships and opposition we face in life are just part of the job description as Christians. But the truth is, our obstacles aren't trivial. If we're willing to look, God may have something extraordinary hidden beneath our trials. Brave by Faith is a book that will help you uncover a more meaningful path through the challenges of our post-Christian world, where faith becomes a cornerstone of your courageous journey. Don't miss out on this timely resource. Request your copy of Brave by Faith today when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. Just send your gift and request for the book in the mail to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. That's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Or if it's easier, just pick up the phone and call us at 844-615-7363. Once again, that's 844-615-7363. Or request Alistair's book when you give online at boldstepsradio.org. And thanks for joining us today. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to come back tomorrow when Mark continues this discussion on being made alive. He'll be diving into part two and you won't want to miss it. That's Thursday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.